the get up, get out, and do something virtual voter rally was designed to encourage people to vote in the 2020 general election. We have seen the statistics of voter turnout from past elections, and we also have heard about the unjust obstacles being created to discourage and prevent underrepresented communities and populations from voting. Even with the aforementioned, we know and still believe in the power of the vote. And that's why it is imperative that we unite and encourage everyone to march to the polls. It is no longer just our right, it is now our obligation. Join us as we are joined by our guests to get up, get out, and do something during this virtual voter rally, which originally aired on October 24th, 2020. Since you are dealing with, you know, emotional well-being, what, um, how are you, first off, how are you in terms of dealing with everything surrounding the election um, and then like, how are your clients? Like, how are you, how are you helping them process all of this stuff that's happening? Yeah, of course. I think that's a great question. Thank you for asking how I'm doing. I think that really means a lot because like a lot of the, I don't even say work, but I think a lot of the, my process, my clients, or even myself, it impacts me personally. And I think my professional work, because it's a big part of who I am, is the reason why I entered the field of becoming a therapist, because I love listening to people's stories and they're not problems. And I think that the beauty is that everyone has a story. And even thinking about, you know, this weight of even with my own story or personal struggles and a lot of things have impacted me in itself and adding to the lens of this election, which has caused so much emotional turmoil. And if we even think about, there's this thing, I've even processed this as election depression, which is so true and real because clients, and I won't lie, are coming in with fear, anxiety, depression, uh, grief, loss of the uncertainty of, of the what ifs, what's going to happen what do I do and how do I process these feelings of anxiety surrounding such a big impact because what affects us on a societal level affects us personally. I think we, but we all know this Thanks. and it's being able to kind of navigate all of these emotions, but also not being emotionally reactive. And I think that's the really hard part. To, to follow up with that, do you find looking back at your, at your life, and I, I don't think you're that old. <laughs> However, has there been a time in your life where so many different momentous occasions have happened all at once to this level in, in the midst of a, a crazy election, a pandemic, uh, social unrest, can you recall at any point in your life or even in, in your studies when you were practicing to become a therapist of any time in the world where you had this many uh, struggles all coming to a, a, a center and, and it's causing this much anxiety and depression amongst the masses? I mean, I think that's such a beautiful question. I, I really can't recall a time where there's been this many moving parts and so monumental occurring all at once. I think throughout even my own personal life, you know, I faced a lot of like racism, a discrimination, a lot of that in my upbringing, grew up in a really small town. And even thinking there's that lens, right? Then we think of 
that being a huge emphasis right now. Then when it comes to elections, there's never really been a time of intensity because so much of what's happening right now and what's going to be happening post-election, a lot of lives at the same time are on the line. And I really want to say that in a place of seriousness because it's true. And thinking about we've with a pandemic, no one's really experienced that. And then adding on a level of what we're facing is a societal and political unrest. And I say that in a way because it's serious as well. Mm-hmm. And thinking about those two moving parts being, they impact everybody personally. And also it impacts your family, then it impacts your relationships, then it impacts your relationship to society because we're in a relationship with everything in our life. But there, it has not been a time where I can really recall everything happening all at once. So it's like all these moving parts and then they're just, they just hit you. So then you're just kind of left to figure out where do I navigate because I don't know. And what are the tools that I reach because I never had to handle everything all at once at the same time. And I think that's, that's, that's major, especially in uh, trying to process. I'm, and even if I, if I would use I statements, I am oftentimes overwhelmed. And then when you have, you know, the news and media, that's a trigger for me. So I try to decrease the amount of times I am being triggered right so like even in conversations on social media i scroll past things real quick and so in in thinking of that what what should what should be the focus of individuals um in order to make mental health a priority as we are going to the polls what are some things that we need to take into consideration um as we are casting our ballot yeah i think the biggest thing is really self-reflection. We're a big proponent on that. And with self-reflection comes with really being able to acknowledge the here and now and addressing the, what am I feeling? What am I enduring? What am I going through? How am I responding emotionally to what's happening? And being honest with good intentions, because there's times we can kind of just push things away because we think it's going to make it easier or just avoid it. But in retrospect, it kind of hits us 10 times harder if we avoid and shove it down and push it away. Mm-hmm. So with now, it's really being able to sit with your thoughts. I always say like, give it a place. So put it to paper, really write down, what am I going through? What am I experiencing? And I love how you just brought up I statements because I statements are crucial because you're not putting blame on others, but you're, you can say like, I don't feel well. I feel anxious, nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. And be okay with what you're feeling because no feeling is final, but they are real and your feelings are valid in every lens. And if you write them down, it kind of gives you an emotional place, a mental place, a physical place to be honest with yourself. Sometimes we don't always feel like we want to share our feelings with other people. And that's important to note too, because even though it's great to have solidarity with others, some people really want solitude, especially when it comes with elections and being private, that doesn't mean you're being secretive because privacy is also respecting and honoring what you're feeling and what you're going through. And that's also really important. And I know there can be shame because people might say like, 
who are you voting for? Or why won't you tell me? Or why aren't you being vocal about it? Or your activism and your advocacy is also can be internalized in a healthy way of saying, I want to shift my way of thinking into being and that's everything in life. So really being mindful of where you are is a really big thing that I would encourage. And pre-planning, like I know it can be really like anxiety provoking to go into the polls. And it's ironic that you bring that up because I was speaking with a client about preparation day, the day of. They want to go the day of because that's important to them. Find your value, find what sits well with you and what's going to work for you. That's the first thing, because if you're doing something that you don't want to do, then that's heightened anxiety. Mm. And then kind of going with your plan of what you want to do, your plan of action and taking this so serious, like you would for a presentation, like you would for a conference, for a paper and making your own outline of this is my day of like the ritual that I want. I'm going to wake up. I want to feel refreshed. I want to drink my coffee in peace. I want to maybe turn my phone off. That might be great. I don't really want noise in the back. Go in, organize. Also a good thing is look at the poll or the place that you're gonna go to for voting because then that decreases anxiety when we don't know where to park. Small things like that, or we don't know where the location is, heightens anxiety that can blur um, our vision really. And then doing your research, that's the fun part. And I always say have fun with it. Because look into who is in your community that you want to support, read up on what they're doing. Can you relate? Do you feel a connection? Do you want to see a difference in your community? Because that's going to impact you personally as well. So those are kind of my tips of going into, into it to reduce the anxiety that kind of leaves us feeling paralyzed. Because our anxiety can be exciting. It can be good. Being anxious to go vote can be excitement to be able to use your voice, speak your words, speak your truth. That's important. Well, Dr. Mel, I'll be honest with you. You said speak your truth and that privacy is a good thing. But uh, if I speak my truth and people attack me for for speaking my truth, how should I really react? Because I think I've lost a lot of relationships during this election season. I'm not mad at it, but I'm just thinking, is that the right way that I should be? in life, you know, it's like, should I cut off a cousin because yeah. they're, they're telling me not to vote? And I'm like, that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I mean, I think that one, everything is about your emotional reactivity because when we react emotionally, we're not being able to think through what we're really experiencing. But if we're able to shift our way of thinking into being, then we're able to kind of be more rational with our thought process. So of course, speaking your truth, some people may not like it, right? Some people may not agree. And that's the other person, right? That has to do with the other person and not you. It's about speaking your truth with intention, you know your intention to the story. Who hasn't been in a place where there's been a misunderstanding, even with friendships or family, but you know yourself and your intention to what you were trying to say and, and come across as. And it's also about the level of understanding. So let's say you have spoken your truth because that, that's real to you, that's raw, that's important for you. And it's being able to say that with respect to yourself first and foremost, but also to the other person. And that's on the other person to decide if they wanna say, tell me more. Like, I care about you and I hear what you're saying. I can see that you are passionate. I wanna know more. I see that we disagree on some things. How do we talk through that? 
I can see we don't see eye to eye on some things. How are we going to make sense of that? Mm-hmm. It's about remaining curious and making assumptions. That's really important. But there also is a big concern of in speaking truth again and being honest with yourself that people aren't just going to like it. And how do we become okay with those people that maybe, yeah, we've lost some friends. Maybe we're going to continue to lose some friends when it comes to voting and when it comes to our views and politically our views or even personally our views. Again, are we going to be okay with losing that friendship or are we going to be okay with losing our sense of self because we weren't being honest with ourselves? What's the most important thing? And how do we take care of ourselves within speaking our truth too? Well, we need you to uh, get you into some training for Congress. We got to make sure we get you in front of Congress so you can give them the same pieces of advice so they can work together to get things done for the people. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the biggest thing when you just said the people. That's what it's about. And we're tending to lose, not we as an us, but like society as a whole. I think that has been so stressful because it's it's looking at, are we really taking care of the people? Are we making the people more afraid? And I think if anything, as a lot of us are having fear and doubt and anxiety, it should fuel us. But sometimes again, it leaves us paralyzed that we don't know where to go or what to do. Who do we turn to? Then there's that privacy of, well, I wanna kind of hold this, I wanna hold on to this because this is important for me. I don't want anyone to know. But also the fear of, am I gonna be judged because I don't choose to share? So it's this damn if you do, damn if you don't, it's double blind that I feel like we're always like we're in and it seems like it's continuous, but it's not like it's a bad thing to be able to say how you feel. It's just that aftermath piece of the what ifs. If we continue to live in our what ifs, would we ever do anything with our lives or with ourselves or take a risk on ourselves? And that's what's hard too. Point. So how can How do I want to word this question? See, you don't want family members coming and attacking your privacy and your beliefs either. See, it's not just me, brother Jay. Um, so in the aftermath, we're currently living in a pandemic. And yeah. in the aftermath of a pandemic, like a traumatic experience, mental health is typically um, holding on by strings. Yeah. What, what can be done within the community to to better support the community in the aftermath. And to add on to that, are you kind of expressing aftermath of election or aftermath of just everything as a whole? Or tell me a little bit more what you mean by that. Aftermath of the election, aftermath of the pandemic and the results of the election, just after everything. Yeah, truly. Because there's going to be winners and losers and whoever loses going to be mad. And and no matter what, right, people are going to be unhappy. Everyone's going to have a problem. Everyone always has something to say. And and, and that's the life and that's the world that we live in. When we think about community, we really have to think about like what that word and what that really means for us. When I think the word community, I think support system. When I think community, I think of togetherness. Um, When I think of community, I think of a type of safety, right? And in our community, we can also think about 
physical community, like our surrounding, like where we live, like I currently, I live in South Florida and I think, okay, my, I have a community here, but then also my own type of community is what about like your friends, your family, your coworkers, your colleagues, that's also another community too. And if we look at what we need more of in a community is we need support, we need more mental health services. And it is unfortunate that a lot of places don't always have that readily accessible for so many people that really need it. Finances are huge. That it's, it can be expensive and it can be pricey, but how do we provide a different type of help for our community to reach out, to branch out? So running groups, um, holding events, you know, and it's hard, right? Socially trying to social distance. So then there's a layer of isolation now, hard with community support. Zoom conferences about we're hosting this, speaking to your town hall, that's really important. Those, even in um, academia, institutions, they also have so many connections. If you have children, right, your kids' schools, your teachers, what is it? It's finding out what everyone else really needs, but knowing where do I find resources? So thinking about right now, I'm going to put myself in this position. If I want to join with my community and want to provide support, what, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I start? Even as a mental health therapist, the, the biggest thing is it's, I do a lot of pro bono work because I think for me, it's not even work. It's about showing up for the people that really deserve it. That's really important and holding space for the people that really deserve it now more than ever. And in community building, it's that togetherness piece. And it takes one to two people that really want to be a strong, like a strong force to really say, I'm going to hold something, I'm going to host it. Now let's provide and let's gain exposure to tell people from our community, let's come together if you're experiencing X, Y, and Z. And let's really find a way to branch out, but also come together. Even offering, like looking and seeing your local like hospitals, if they're community centers, or even other uh, therapy practices or mental health practices, and just saying, I really think it would be great to like host an event or hold an event, or I kind of want to do something for support in the community. Do you know? Because always ask people in your community, small or big, whoever, because they might know somebody and they might say, oh, I know somebody who knows somebody and let's do this to build togetherness. And even when we had the last election, I held group therapy for a few months and it was on election depression because it was a strong amount of people that really felt a sense of loss and they felt really scared. And it was, how do we process this? So just really being able to, again, speak your truth and saying what you need in your community. And, and, and speaking, of, speaking of that, the, for the folks that may not be uh accepting accepting of the election results yeah what are what's the first step that they need to uh that they need to execute in order to move forward with their lives because people go people got to keep living after november 3rd one way or another yeah i think what comes with someone winning or losing, it's gets, people are gonna experience a loss, right? What comes with loss? Grieving, mourning. And it's really true that we really experience grief 
after not only when we lose people that we love in our life but when we lose things in general loss of lifestyle everything that we've experienced with COVID-19 has been so heavy on all of us we're grieving everyone's in mourning we're grieving our old lives what we used to know add on we're already experiencing grief then another another impact of what's going to happen during the election this election time is stressful then post election more grief so what happens with mourning is leaning into that so we really have to lean into what we're going to be feeling there's going to be sadness i'm sure there's going to be grief there's going to be anger i'm absolutely certain frustration we don't know what's that aftermath again is gonna like be composed of but we do need to know when it comes to that how do we process our grief and if anyone knows anything about grief and loss it's really about leaning into what has happened what have i experienced what have what am i feeling the sadness of loss and how do i sit with it because no one can give that a timeline and that's really hard everyone's like oh it'll take a few weeks or you'll get over this like no everyone experiences grief in a different way we're still grieving from our last election, right? So it's- I know why I am. Yeah, agree. And it's just very like this continuous process. And what they always said, there's the five stages, there's denial, acceptance, all of that. And for me, I think more about everyone's gonna experience it because your relationship with grief is so individualized, just like our own stories too. So I want to I want to kind of stay in that vein. I was reading something earlier and it was talking about how um, individuals who are more active within the political realm of participation, like the activism part, um, they kind of build this resiliency to the things that are happening, especially if they are more prone to psychological distress. And they started to list underrepresented populations or marginalized populations because these individuals are already conditioned to expect mm. maybe different types of treatment based on some type of ism. Mm. What are your thoughts around that piece? And then how can those who are on the front lines with picket signs making sure that they are being the advocate for everyone else. What are some things that they can do to one, not have that, um, not have that moment of burnout mentally as well as physically? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of heaviness. When you think about, you know, the, of course the psychological factors that surrounds it, it's, it's more about your survival, right? Everything that we do in our life is for our survival. It's exactly what these, everyone's doing. The way that you survive looks different. You could, you know, be on this like neutral ground, right? And being an activist, right? Being able to be social. And it's like, well, trying to understand it from a lens of all they've known is to survive in this, their own ecosystem, their own personal life system. So in turn, that builds this lens of also resiliency. Right? And it's like, you're, they're equipped, it has to be resilient. But I don't know, I think that's a really tough question because everything is individualized and everyone is trying to navigate, but everyone is also trying to survive and no one knows the right way. So when you have everyone 
you know, you think about everything that's been happening, trying to survive in a different type of way, it's not all the same. So then everyone clashes and then they get frustrated and they get more angry. But then again, there's that, you kind of said, like, how, how do you keep them safe? How, how do you do that? And when you don't even know what you need yourself. And that's where that piece of self-reflection is of, what do I need? What do I deserve when it comes to this? And I, it's not about what you want or what you need, it's what you deserve. And that's the biggest, and that's the key point, even when it comes to this and what everyone's experiencing too. That's pretty good. Um, and I, I, I Kev pointed out this fact earlier that election day, um, like the, the momentum for election day or the things that we are doing to advocate for voting doesn't stop on election day. And especially when there's things on the state level that we can do, like educating our lawmakers on the importance of mental health, yeah. educating local leaders on why we need more community-based mental health resources. Where would one, like, what would that conversation look like on on the local level, say I want to encourage or educate my local leaders on, hey, we need more community-based mental health services and resources. Like, how would I, how would I start that? Well, I think approaching the conversation is really about being able to be kind of approaching yourself in that way. So think about in that moment if you're going to go speak to somebody about needing more resources and needing more ex a lot for mental health, you have to be able to say to yourself, again, what do I deserve right now in this community? Not of the, I need, like, I need you to give me this, but it's more of, I deserve to be visible. I deserve to be feel heard. Like I deserve someone to aim to understand where I'm coming from. So when you're able to kind of get that better sense of self, it's really, again, being honest about your story and with intention and the best intention of saying, I've experienced so much in living in this community. It's brought me, there's been some great things. I've learned so much, right? But it's also casted this lens that I'm feeling unhappy or I feel distressed or I feel really unfulfilled and I want, I deserve more in this community. I wanna see more. I know my community has the potential Right, because you, if you have faith in your community and you see potential for growth, you're going to want to continue to nurture that and be, be and be a leader in your community, and really present this as your own personal proposal. Right, you got to have a proposal when you do everything and presenting. What do you really want them to hear, and how do you want them to really see you? Because you've got to show up for yourself first and foremost, mm -hmm. to then for, to allow others to really see and show up for you too. Same thing with like a relationship, same thing with a partner, same thing with a friend, same thing with your community too, that you've given so much. And I say, don't invest your energy in a place that doesn't reciprocate. Same mm. thing with your community too. Invest your energy into that. And you would hope it's gonna invest it right back to you. And if it's not, then you make room for yourself to find a way in. and really speaking to them from your heart. And I, and I know it may sound like this lens of you should go in, right? We should have this agenda, but you already know yourself best. And if you feel passionate, that's going to come so natural and more than anything, but just being able to speak your truth, but also work for what you deserve in life. That's so important. We tend to lose sight of what we deserve. I find that people, 
don't have a problem speaking their truth. Mm. People have a problem with how their message is received and then how someone else's perception of their own truth is then articulated. And so in that same vein, how important is conflict resolution to mental health, uh, especially during these times? Because you have you have Democrats and Republicans and they don't talk to each other. And then you have kind of lines in the sand that people have drawn because they're representing one side or another. And nobody will say, let's both understand that we have a, a value truth that we're bringing to the table and how can we discuss it? I think that's part of the problem that exists in the current political climate. And yeah. so how important is conflict resolution to, to mental health? I mean, conflict resolution is crucial and it's pretty, it's pretty impactful. And I like to reframe conflict resolution with it being a conversation and you can have confrontation and everyone thinks that that's conflict, but it's not. It's really being able to address the things that you really want to talk about. And conflict doesn't have to mean, like conversation doesn't have to mean conflict. It is the exchanging of thoughts and ideas. And if you want to be able to hear somebody, right, and really see them for who they are, you're going to create the space for them to self-express. And that's the biggest thing. It's about self-expression. And a lot of people don't want to see or hear other people self-express. They don't want to hear other people talk about, like, I don't want to hear your views. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Where are you creating room for somebody? Where are you being able to be a good citizen, right? To say, oh, this person really has something to say. Let me, let's hear them. Because people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They don't have the time. They don't have the patience. They don't have the room. They, they make that decision. But how different it would look if someone said, oh, I hear you, right? Like, I hear you. That's going to make someone feel so validated. And it doesn't have to be conflictual. It doesn't have to be that whatsoever. You can be on two different teams, let's say, or even relationships, we think. You can have two different views. And you're not going to agree. And you may not like it. But you can at least create the space for a conversation. And when it comes with conflict, it's about how you repair your universe after. It's about the repairing piece that's the most important. You have to have conflict in life. There's no way you can go through life. You're going to have fights. You're going to have conflict. Or you're going to have conversation. And then after that, you're going to repair your universe. And then you'll at least know how to bounce back when you have another conflict again, let's say. You're going to know the tools to get back to what it is to help repair. And that's the important part of it, of acknowledging, because you can't push it away. You know, it's just repairing. And then the healing, that's the healing process. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Um, final thoughts on 2020 general election, mental health, where to buy a good drink when all this is over. <laughs> any, any tips? Final thoughts. Do you have colleagues in Virginia that you could recommend? <laughs> you know what? I might. So I'll definitely have to check my like my list of all of my colleagues. But I think if anything, during all of this, I hope you both, right, in cr creating a space for this conversation, which I value so much, but also you're creating space for so many people to hear you and also feel validated. I think the Biggest takeaway I can say is make sure you take care of yourself in this because we can lose sight of needing to take care of ourselves and doing more for others and forgetting what we need, again, what we deserve. And also being able to 
lean into what you're feeling and don't push that away. And also reach out if you really, really want to build a connection. And if you need some help or you need some guidance, build connections and reach out to those because people are going to be very willing to create space for you and take care of you. But you've got to take care of yourself in order to give to others. So give to yourself so you can give to other people because then that's you really being able to take care of you and put yourself first on that priority list and everything else is going to, you know, kind of fall into place and post-election, just hope that you can be able to be kind to yourself too and kind of forgive yourself. I think that's really important as well because there's a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and blame that goes into a lot of this too in all realms, but showing yourself a lot of self-compassion is probably like my biggest thing that I want to share with everybody. No, self-compassion is key. Beautifully said. So Dr. Mel, how can the folks reach you if they want to learn more about you, maybe take advantage of some of your services, services that you are offering? How can they reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm really, you know, hands on there. My handle is at Meltuition, M-E-L-T-U-I-T-I-O-N. I'm always about following your intuition with everything in life. Go with your gut feeling. I think that's important. Um, also, you can find me via email as well. Um, my email is melanie at bekindtothemind.net. And also, I have my website. So you can find me at meltuition.com if you want resources, anything that you might need for comfort. If you just want someone to talk to or someone to just listen, feel free to give me a call. I will always create that space wherever you need and process anything that anyone may be experiencing. I think that's important. 